This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Today's uh, scripture passage is taken from John chapter 10, verses 16 to 18. Uh, I'll be reading the passage for us today. Uh, in the meantime, I'll give us a moment to grab our Bibles and to flip to the page, uh, or you can also refer to the passage on the screen. Reading from John chapter 10, verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. This is the word of God. Afternoon, morning, afternoon. It's always a joy to be with God's people, with God's word open up. So if you have your Bible, can I invite you to turn to John chapter 10 and keep it open. John chapter 10. Um, It'd be great if you keep it open. You know, this man, John um, Carlson, have uh, mentioned it just now. Uh, And I want to share something about him as well. Uh, But before that, why don't we ask God to help us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this afternoon that we can gather. Thank you that we can hear about Weirong and Amber's um, heartbeat for the lost. We pray, God, this morning as you help us to, uh, as we open up your word, help us to uh, be able to engage with your truth and that your spirit will work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, what are you waiting for? Are you ready to go? Well, that's the question George Verwer asked his college friend Dale after praying at a dormitory room. Now, Dale was started and he has, uh, he was startled. He had just prayed and just heard Verwer's idea that they're going to sell what they own, use the money, buy a truck, fill it with Spanish translation of John and cross over to Mexico. They had just prayed and and there it is. George Dale said, it takes longer than that. Just a mention, just a prayer and head off. Well, Verwa didn't see why it should be because the future founder of Operation Mobilization saw there was a spiritual need. They could meet that need. The rest didn't really matter. Well, this is adapted from Christianity Today, written two weeks ago, Remembrance of George Verwer. Now, he was a man known for his radical life. He led a global organization that reached 147 countries. We heard it just now. Millions of people with gospel, and they have been sending thousands every single year for short and long-term missions. We heard about a ship. They have five ships some of us may have stepped on it even to buy a book. Logos 1, Logos 2, Dulos, Logos Hope, Dulos Hope. So for 60 years, George Verwer was known as the trailblazer in global missions. And he never ceased to call people to get out, get out and go. 
In fact, on his first date with his wife to be Drina, she, he said this to her. Let me just quote it uh, from his book. This is what he said on his first date with Drina. Well, nothing probably is going to happen between me and you, but if anything did, like say marriage, you need to understand that I'm going to be a missionary and you're probably going to be eaten by the cannibals in New Guinea. Well, that's, how, that's how you start a, a dating uh, um, journey if you want to be a missionary. Dear friends, why do we think about or talk about missions in the church? John Piper puts it this way. He said, and I quote him, he says, Missions exist because worship doesn't. Missions is our way of saying that the joy of knowing Christ is not a private affair and private enterprise. It's meant for everyone. And all should hear of the gospel so that they can worship God. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is meant to go beyond us. So we have missionaries like George Verwer, Hudson Taylor, William Carey, Amy Carmichael, Jim Elliott, David Livingstone, the list goes on. These are some of the famous missionaries and really they exist because they have all been influenced by the greatest missionary in our human history, our Lord Jesus himself, the one who came to draw all nations back to God. So missionary is because there is one who came to show us what it is. To Christ, he came not as a hired hand, just now you read it together. He came as the shepherd who came to claim his own for God. So this afternoon, we heard the sharing by Wero and Amber and their heart for the laws. Why do we draw back into the heartbeat of Christ himself in the Gospel of John to see what Christ has to say? Let me read to us John 10, 14 to 16. Again, if you have your Bible, you can follow with me. John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So missionary movement exists because Jesus is the good shepherd. Missionary movement exists because Jesus has other sheep outside of the existing pen. And missionary movement exists because Jesus has the power to bring his own sheep back to himself. So if you have your Bible, uh, I, I do hope you have it by now and open to John 10. We'll be looking at the context of John 10 and eventually arrive at a great missionary manifesto found in verse 16 itself. So it will be in two parts on the context of John 10 and we'll dive specifically into verse 16. Now, Jesus said in verses 11 and 14, he said this, I am the good shepherd. So Jesus called himself a shepherd, a good shepherd. Now, there's something we need to know about sheep. This morning, I, I had this fluffy sheep to show the first congregation, but my wife took it back for sort ministry. So uh, just imagine a fluffy sheep. Okay, sheep are known to be vulnerable, easily preyed upon, and not very clever. They're probably among the lowest of the food chain because they get eaten and they don't eat others. 
They get into trouble even when troubles do not look for them. So I remember my honeymoon in New Zealand uh, almost 20 years back. So we were there and there were times that we were stuck on the road for half an hour just because the ship moved halfway and they decided to pull on the road and we just had to wait for them to pull and just, I don't know, there's nothing to eat there. They'll just stay there for a long time until they decide to move on. So we were there and we were told how important shepherds were because sheep tend to get lost and get into trouble. They could fall off a cliff or they could flip and drop in the drain and they can't turn back and they'll, they'll just die there or they will walk and be stuck between thorn bushes and they'll just get stuck there. They don't know how to do, what to do after that. Or they would, we've seen it, they have, they have those uh, wired fences where they'll stick their head and push their head into a small, the smallest hole they can find and they'll get stuck there. And unless the shepherd comes and push the head out, they're just going to starve and, and die. And they could be stolen and eaten. So it was a tragedy in the ancient world if a sheep does not have a shepherd. So much so, Jesus said this in Matthew 9, 36. He said, when Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So as the son of David, the son of God, Jesus came at the Father's command to be the good shepherd because this is what God promised in the Old Testament to Israel. He said this in Ezekiel 34. Let me read it to you. God said this, I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them, he will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now, in Ezekiel, the servant David obviously is not David himself because he's dead. But he's referring to the son of David, the promised Messiah, and that is who Jesus was when he came. In the context of Old Testament, the flock were the people of Israel, and Jesus came as their Messiah to take care of them and protect them like a shepherd. So Jesus, unlike a hired hand, he loves his sheep, protects them. He does not run away when danger comes. Instead, he confronts danger head on. Now, King David used to speak about his own time as a shepherd boy before he became a king. I can find this in 1 Samuel 17, where he said he would face predators like lions and bears. He would literally grab a lion by his mane and strike it and kill it. And he even killed a bear because no sheep get lost on his watch. That was King David. And so that was amazing when Jesus came and he says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus also said in John 10 verse 7 and verse 9 that, I am the gate for the sheep. Whoever enters through me will be saved. So as the good shepherd, he is also the gate for his sheep. So imagine at night when the sheep comes into the fold, there, there are four, four walls on there and there's only one gate. So no sheep enters without the shepherd's knowledge and no sheep goes out. Neither would any predators be able to get in without facing the shepherd head on because when all the sheep goes in he sleeps at the gate at the at the entrance as the gate of the sheep so with this metaphor jesus is declaring that all who enter through him the gate are saved from thieves and robbers 
Now Jesus goes on to say that he comes that his sheep may have life in verses 10 and 28, a life that is full. Whatever form or condition the sheep were when they come to the shepherd, he makes sure that they find pastures and water. And most importantly, this life Jesus gives is linked to his sacrifice. In John 10, it's repeated four times. Jesus says, I lay down my life. I lay down my life. I lay down my life for my sheep. As the good shepherd, Jesus is full of love for his sheep. And this is the ultimate love story. If you want to have a love story, this is the ultimate love story. Jesus, the good shepherd, came gave his life in the greatest sacrifice for the most wayward sheep. And he did it willingly. So Jesus, the good shepherd, did not come to profit as how he would be a higher hand, but he came as the owner of the sheep. He came for relationship. He was prepared to die for his sheep. He said this, Jesus said, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. There is a relationship, an intimate relationship and bond between a shepherd and the sheep he owned. But more than that, in a shocking statement, if you have your Bible open, Jesus actually said this after he says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. He said, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Now, what does Jesus mean when he gave such an intimate description about his relationship with his sheep? Jesus is saying that, I actually do know my sheep in a relationship. I know who they are and I know how they are. I know them by name and I know their character. And some are not very good like us. But at the same time, he's also saying his sheep also know and trust him and are willing to follow him even if it is the darkest valleys. No, it always amazes me when I read prayer letters of friends who are in the other parts of the world where sometimes you speak of believers uh, who are threatened. One of my friends, he has a dagger on his throat um, when he was back in his own country. It always amazes me, but it shouldn't amaze me that when the believers hold on to Jesus, they are risking everything uh, in their family because you can't hide away in, in a country where everyone doesn't believe the same as you and all the festivals but they will hold on because they believe in their shepherd and they will follow him because they know that the Lord, the shepherd himself, saw the sheep so precious that their blood related, so intimate, his blood for ours. Verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. And the relationship between Jesus and his people takes after that most perfect relationship that is between the father and the son. Now we see the relationship between the Father and the Son further illustrated in verses 17 and 18 that Carlson read for us just now, if you look at it, where the love of the Father for the Son is eternally connected by the Son's obedience and trust in the Father. There is this love and there's this obedience, including laying down his own life willingly and then picking it up with authority. So Jesus, being the good shepherd, set the stage for world missions. There is someone who loves his people enough to die for them, that Jesus is the good shepherd. Now, as we move to verse 16, then after we have painted the whole context, 
uh, for the first part of the sermon, we read this again. Let me read verse 16 for us one more time. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Now the first point to note in verse 16 really is this, that Jesus has other sheep not in this sheep pen. Now the context of this sheep pen we know, verse 16 refers to Israel. No, there are some in Israel who belongs to Jesus and there are some who are not of his sheep. It was clear uh, when Jesus writes in John 16, 26, he literally says to some of the Jews, you do not believe because you are not my sheep. So there are some who are the sheep of Jesus and there are some who are not in Israel. Now, even as Jesus gathers his sheep in Israel, can you imagine the disciples, the apostles, they're gathering, huddling around, he tells his disciples, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. Now, this was a very powerful declaration that shocked the comfortable huddles of the disciples. And that's the reason why you and I are here, that we can call Jesus our shepherd. Because of this declaration by Jesus, it is good for us, but it wasn't comfortable for the apostles in Israel. Imagine them sitting comfortably with each other, hearing Jesus' love and protection, and then suddenly Jesus says, I have others outside, the Gentiles. They're going to come in and sit with you. You may not even like the smell, but Jesus says they are of the same sheep pen. This is good news for us. It was uncomfortable for the first century Jewish believers, but it had been God's plan from the right beginning. Isn't it at Genesis when Jesus said to Abraham, he said, that I will multiply your descendants like stars in the sky and sands on the seashore and through your offspring all nations on the earth will be blessed. It was this knowledge that Jesus had other ship pen that drove the first missionary movements in the book of Acts. It is the same knowledge that Jesus had other ship that drives our modern missionaries to the most difficult places to bring the good news of Jesus to other ship those not in the current sheep pen. Now the drive to bring other sheep into Jesus' sheep pen raised many missionaries who have the same heartbeat as Christ. What did Hudson Taylor say? He said, if I have a thousand lives, I'll give them all for, anybody knows? China. Robert Moffat, who inspired David Livingstone, he said, in the vast plains to the north, I have seen in the morning sun, the smoke of a thousand villages where no missionaries has ever been. City starts say some wish to live within the sound of the chapel bells near church so you won't be late. I wish to run a mission, rescue mission within a yard of hell. Abort Pierce, founder of World Vision, says, let my heart be broken with things that break God's heart. Now the words of Jesus ring in the years of God's People, I have other sheep that are not in your fold, which prevents us from getting too comfortable in an aircon church that is meant to poke us from getting too warm in our seats. Now, why must mission happen? Jesus' first words in, in verse 16 gives us the answer, because Jesus has other sheep. Why will it succeed? You may ask. Because Jesus continues that same verse, he says, I must bring them also. 
So mission is not simply a wishful thinking or a passion of a young person. It is literally the mission of Jesus. Having laid down his life for the sheep, he must bring them in also. And it is a great comfort to know that we are called to proclaim the good news of Jesus. It is a great comfort to know that when missions and missionaries go out to proclaim that Jesus is with them. Because if the good shepherd is willing to die for his sheep, surely he is willing to use everything he has to bring them in. I don't know about you, don't, doesn't it comfort you to know that even if we had taken a thousand missionaries in the last two millennium to reach you in Singapore for the gospel to reach you and me, Jesus didn't spend or waste any effort to do so, so that you and I are in the ship pen. And he will continue to do that until every single ship that belongs to him enters that ship pen. If Jesus says he must get a ship, not in this pen, he will be involved in the missions to the Gentiles. Now, of course, throughout the millenniums, some churches would say, well, if Jesus wants to save, he can do it even if we don't. That's a very cold statement. And is it true? Perhaps it's right. Even if they don't, Jesus will be able to bring them through other means. But surely they haven't been reading their Bible because we have just done Esther. Remember what Mordecai said to you? Queen Esther, this is what he said to her. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for God's people will arise from another place. But you and your fam father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Who knows that we are in a comfortable country, in a comfortable church, rather than somewhere in the Middle East, not a Christian, so that we are the ones who can go to them. If a church does not rise up to be involved in missions, God can use other churches, even those who seem ill-equipped, those seems much less than what we have, because Jesus can use them for the other sheep. There was a man, there was a man by the name George Stott. He was a school teacher um, who lost his leg in his youth. So he is a, a one-legged man. He volunteered for a missionary service in the era where most mission agencies would not consider amputee because it's tough, right? Most mission agencies wouldn't have taken him. Most wouldn't, but not Hudson Taylor. So Taylor asked George why he, with only one leg, wanted to go to China. And his reply was this, I do not see those with two legs going, so I'm going. Now that began his two decades of mission work in China. So one article wrote this, just quoting it, he says, George and Grace thought they were instrumental in bringing the gospel to Wenzhou, which today is nicknamed Jerusalem or China, due to his massive Christian community. When Jesus says, I have other sheep and I must bring them, he will bring them. And we have the privilege too, if we, do them, if we don't do it, Jesus can find other people who are willing to do it, even if they're one-legged. Now, as we think about this, how will mission actually succeed? We may ask, how do we even know who are the other sheep for the sheep pen? Actually, Jesus gave the answer very clearly, how to find them. It's in the next verse. Look at it. 
he says, they too will listen to my voice. More than once, Jesus actually explains how to identify the other sheep. He explains in verse 3, the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Verse 4, his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Verse 14, I know my sheep, my sheep know me. Verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So here is how it is. This is the power of the gospel. When the gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached and proclaimed, it's not merely the words of a, a weak human being trying to convince someone to buy a product. Rather, when the gospel is proclaimed, the power of the Holy Spirit comes in and the voice of Christ is heard by his sheep. No wonder Paul in 1 Corinthians 2, he says this, he says to the church, I came to you, brothers. I did not come with eloquence or wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ and Him crucified. The, the, the sheep, the other sheep, they are not going to hear based on our eloquence, but they will hear the voice of Christ when we preach the words of Christ. And so as we go forth, how will we identify them or how will they hear it is when the gospel itself is being proclaimed, not our own eloquence. So the most important aspect of mission is to speak the words of Jesus, speak the scriptures so that his other sheep who are not yet in the pen will hear his voice and turn to him. It's amazing because as you go to Batam every month, you speak to the children. How do you know they will be of the sheep? You do not know, but you preach the gospel to them and they who are of the sheep pen, they will hear the voice of their shepherd and they will come. It's comforting to know Jesus knows his sheep by name, verse 3. And his sheep follows him and not strangers, verse 3, but the good shepherd, verse 16, 27. I'm just giving you the verses, but it's all there in John 10. And we can be certain that when we speak the words of Jesus, that is scripture, Jesus is present so that his sheep, when they hear his voice, will respond. Isn't that the same as what we hear in the other great commission verse that we always hear, right? You know what's that? Matthew 28. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations and teaching them to obey everything I command you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Not just with you, but as you proclaim the gospel, so will the sheep here, because I am there. My voice can be heard when the gospel is proclaimed. And so finally, when this sheep turned to follow Jesus, he says again in John 10, 16, there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Now this is the joyous of revelation that we as Christians or Gentile Christians, we should actually be very thankful for this verse because it is in this verse that you and I are here in the sheep pen as well. Dear friends, how should we respond to this great verse that encapsulates the call to mission? Now, Christianity Today regarding George Verwer wrote this and I, I just want to quote it for you. He said this, I don't know, anyone has actually seen George Bower in this? He, he used to come to Singapore last time as well. Uh, the signature um, globe shirt and that globe that he will then throw to the audience and you try to um, catch it. 
Uh, anyway, this is what Christianity Today said. After Vilwa stepped down as international director of OM in 2003, he continued to speak to groups of young Christians around the world. He would bring out a giant inflatable globe, put on his trademark globe jacket, and ask them again and again a version of the question he asked his college friend when he was just 18. Well, are you ready to go? You just repeat that to the audience. Well, are you ready to go? It's not that hard to go out. What better ways to catch the vision of missions than to actually go out rather than just sit in the aircon room? For those of us who are young, there are plenty of opportunities. Most of us here are young. There are plenty of opportunities to go out. You don't have to go like 10 years straight off. Two weeks of your annual leave is great. Go for a short trip, see for ourselves what God is doing elsewhere. Perhaps sacrifice that few weeks of your holidays to join a meaningful short-term mission. If you've got more time, hop on to one of the logoship or doulorship. Uh, I remember when I was in uh, uni and then later when I started working, every year we'll go for a few, year, for a few weeks to, to northern Thailand. The first trip we went, it was three weeks. There was no, no heater or anything. We, we used fire. Uh, we still on the floor. But that was the best time of three weeks that I had. We went, we went for a few more years and Eventually, the last three we went, they even uh, lent us their tribal clothes for me and Linda to take a photo for our pre-wedding shoot. So that was quite cool. It doesn't take your whole life, two weeks, maybe just go out uh, and, and see how God works. Or perhaps you already have done that and decided that I really can't go full-time, but you want to be actively proclaiming the gospel to others. Well, guess what? You're in the right church, isn't it? that join all the other ministry. Right now, some of the ladies, as we are talking, are doing sort ministry with one of, in one of the sisters' church. And the, the ship I wanted to show you is not here because it's there. Or perhaps Wednesday, the dormitory work. Perhaps to Vietnam. So we have An here. Or even Batam trip. Last month was encouraging because we have Auntie Kham Phan or Grandma Kham Phan. Okay, Auntie Kham Phan, huh? Auntie Kham Phan or Chong. They're going down still, so... If they can go down, why not give it a shot for those who haven't? It's not going to be very difficult. Just rock up 8 o'clock and you'll be home for dinner. It's not that tough to give it a shot. Go out and see God working. Now, as we close, let me bring, back, bring us back to George Verwell who passed away this month. In his final video blog, you can watch it online. But let me just read to you what he said in his last words. He said this, I pray also when people think of me, they'll remember the passion to see everyone in the world have the opportunity to hear or read the gospel. Now we celebrate all the groups that are doing that, but there are hundreds and hundreds of millions of people that have not yet been reached. And he gave this last words, finally, perseverance. It will get tough, it will get rough and tough, but somehow you've got to keep on keeping on remembering Scriptures be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And in closing, he said this, God bless you and we are trusting him for greater things in the days to come. Amen. Amen. Why don't we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for John 10, 16. Because Jesus said those words, the missionaries went forth, and so we are saved. 
And so, Father, as we hold on to this great missions manifesto, knowing that Jesus is the good shepherd, Jesus laid down his life for his sheep, Jesus has sheep that are still not here, and Jesus himself will go forth to speak to them, and they will hear the voice of the shepherd. So, Father, you have given us this confidence. Jesus has this authority. It is not our call to convert someone to be a Christian or to sell them Christianity, but it is our call for them to hear the voice of the shepherd so that Christ himself will call them back. So be with us in our church so that we will never be too comfortable, but we will always be calling out so that the sheep may come back to the shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.